What's up? I'm Frank. This is Tom. And, and this, this is, is the, the Frank, Frank and Tom, Tom Show. Please listen. I have nothing to say. If you're easily triggered, or may be triggered, or worried about getting triggered over sensitive content, the Frank and Tom Show cannot be held responsible for anything ever. Frank and Tom are not responsible for any direct, indirect, incidental, or consequential damages resulting from any defect, error, or failure to perform. The Frank and Tom Show can never be responsible for anything we've ever taken responsibility for. The Frank and Tom Show are not responsible for anything ever said in this commercial or any other commercial, therefore, after, before, or anything. During. Possibly. Yeah, I did no, that. Canceled. Hey, everybody. It's oh, my Frank wow. and Tom show. I literally just socked the microphone right off the bat. Today's Sunday. It's an exciting day. We actually have a, a rock star guest, like we said. Yeah, legit. Drum roll, please, for a famous drummer. This guy started off his career um, in 1981. He was uh, a part of Boss Skaggs, played, played with that guy live. Played with people like Cinderella. Cinderella. Oh my God, David Crosby for years. Christopher, Christopher Cross. Oh wow. Um, him and I share a, a, a really deep rooted connection, actually. And uh, so I called on Mr. Jody Cortez, lifelong drummer, platinum drummer, for a good interview for us. Jody Cortez. Nice. We will welcome. So we're gonna Jody give Cortez him a call right now. Tom show. And uh, we're going to kick this thing off, guys. Thank you for being a part of Frank and Tom, episode number 42. 40 deuce. 40 deuce up in you. I always got to like say this it almost like, borderline inappropriate thing right off the bat. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what. <laughs> we'll wow, see what amazing Jody credits is. to this guy's, this guy's name, this yeah. guy's repertoire. Hey. Jody. What's going on, fellas? How you doing, man? Welcome to the Frank and Tom Show. Welcome, Jody. This is Tom. Thanks for coming hey, on. Hey, Tom. Hi, this is Andrew. Drew. Drew's our, Hi, Drew. Drew's our special special guy that we keep in the corner, so he's not even on the name, you know, so that's our surprise guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, so Drew's your fluffer? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We were talking that's about the is. fluffer. My true identity stays a secret. <laughs> it's a secret who I, I, I well, just keep it amongst yourselves. Then. Drew's not even my real name. Yeah, <laughs> which is strange because we don't know that. And we, we should know that shit. Oh. Well, man, we, ga- we gave you a brief little intro. Um, we're just excited because we have uh, an, a definitely a polarizing guest. It's 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 not often that we get a, a lifelong such an accomplished musician. On the show, we have definitely had some multi-platinum huge artists, but you, Jody, have had an amazing career that when I start going into your discography that's even available, which we all know, then that's not even the tip of the iceberg, usually. <laughs> so No, you're right. A lot of that Wikipedia shit is just, you know, um, just that. It's just what they choose to put on it, you know. Um, 
so they, basically, they a, go ahead. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. So basically, um, you know, you are Jody Cortez, right? The, yes, sir. The drummer. Okay, so sweet. And uh, you started drumming in. Well, when I was a baby, I kind of grew up in a house of drums. My dad, uh, my dad was a, a big band drummer and the house drummer for the Playboy Club in Miami. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, so, you know, he got to, to nail all the bunnies. and uh, <laughs> Yes. And he was a big stud, and, you know, my mom didn't dig it too much, but, you know. Well. Uh, drummers will be drummers, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have a third stick that we use a lot. <laughs> so your dad would play a lot of the, uh, play. They would play music at the parties and stuff. Well, you know, I growing up with uh, with a house of drums, I meant that uh, we were lucky enough to have a studio. I have two brothers, Dean and Guy. Dean Cortez is a famous bass player. He. Uh, he played bass with Boz, Boz Gags, and uh, he was almost in Lowell George Band before Lowell had an OD. You know, he overdosed, and um, there went that. And that was right after the Little Feet thing. And um, so Dean's a badass. He used to work with Marcy Levy from the Eric Clapton Band, and that's how all that happened. But uh, we we all started in Miami, playing to every Jimi Hendrix record and Credence and Beatles and uh, Cream, whatever we can get our hands on, we were jumping into and trying to emulate um, to the record, you know? Um, And so I got to play drums. We all got an hour after school. We went into the studio and got to beat the shit out of the drums to get our frustrations out. And so I ended up keeping the drums as a career you know i, I kind of t- i took the easy way out and um uh for me because it was a pa- such a passion it was like just starting a car and going you know or riding a bike it, for me that's how um music was I, I i lucked out on that level um you know i kind of blew it that i didn't do the mit route like vinnie Cayuta. And and some and Peter Erskine and these kind of guys that are ridiculously accomplished and can read and play yeah. rudiments for days and you know side. solo their fucking dick off and you know I'm not that kind of player although I've uh, you know I'm a groove guy I and I can groove with the best of them you know I used to emulate Zeppelin and all kinds of stuff growing up and and it kind of came back to me because andy johns uh he produced like or he was one of the guys involved with zeppelin one and four when he was a kid you know he used to shoot up heroin with jeff beck and eric clapton and jimmy page you know they were all junkies together and and uh when andy had a chance to come to america he had to cover up his tracks and and uh straighten up his act and you Liter- know literally and figuratively seriously man he, had a pick- <laughs> yeah. he, he took he took a torch to his tracks so right. that they would let him over you know yeah totally uh, um but anyhow uh i got to work with andy through a band called stone fury 
Stone Fury, we were kind of like a Led Zeppelin kind of kind of band, you know. And um, I was really dedicated to the cause and kind of bit me in the ass at the end. The, the, the head guys in the band um, grabbed everything and kind of, you know, as far as the money and the points and uh, left me out. But Andy got got wind of the demos that we did we did five demos in one day that ended up going on the record that andy produced and uh when they went back in the studio they had some other drummer there and andy went up to one of the guys and said you have no spine and no balls mate you know if you don't get jody back i'm gone yeah so they had to bring me back in to finish uh, my part of the record. And, um, you know, I went on the road. I did one show with them and I quit because it wasn't worth it, you know. I went to London. I did a video with the guys. I got a bunch of press. But mm -hmm. the guys were schmucks, man. They were vampires. I, you know, when you deal with guys like that, it's all short-term shit. You know, they see a bunch of money and, and they grab it. They don't look at the long term. But uh, I learned a lot, man. I, You know, back then, I could have been Brian Adams' drummer. Brian called me from Canada. Nice. That's Big crazy. Fan of his. Yeah, and he goes, dude, um, I just released my first record, and I talked to James Foster, David Foster's sister. Uh, we were kind of dating at the time, um, but we were both bottoms, and it didn't work out. <laughs> um, you're like oh man <laughs> what a drag this is like anyhow opposite yeah, sides uh, of batteries meeting deal breaker <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know technology didn't catch up to us at that time however um uh i did get to uh <laughs> hang out with brian for a second and he wanted me to be his drummer and get his band together um after his first record they and they were gonna be touring opening up for journey i think that was the the bill and i turned it down like a schmuck because i thought my band that just got the deal with mca with andy johns was gonna be all that and when i realized i was stooped i went you know i had oh. lost the brian gig already i said no to that oh, but bummer. but here's the deal what had happened was i was blessed to have played with Steve Picaro when I was in sixth grade. And I was in a band with Steve Picaro and my brother, Dean. They were both in ninth grade. Their drummer got sick, so my brother threw me in the band until the other guy got better and well enough to play, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Steve Picaro's older brother was Jeff Picaro, and he's the most accomplished drummer on the planet. He passed away... I don't know, what is it, 17 years now or something. I, I don't know the, uh, the exact year, but Jeff was like my mentor and my godfather and my best friend. Uh, I used to go to his house on the weekends and play backgammon and play all my demos, and we would smoke weed and do blow. And, you know, we had such a special relationship, you know. He loved me because I was raw and I was loose, man. I was a loose drummer, and um, I wasn't under that Berkeley uh, machine gun, you know, where everything was technique and everything was by the book. And I, you know, I shoot myself in the 
in the foot for not doing that. Actually, if I had done that, my career would have fucking just went crazy like Vinny, you know? I know it. I know that that's... Because Vinny and I, we're friends, and there's a lot, you know, we, we compare grooves and, and feel. We feel the same kind of shit, you know? Um, when you're a natural, you kind of look at music differently. It's more of a, an extension of your of yourself. Yeah, it's like a necessity, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh for sure, dude. And, yes. you know, I found myself in situations where I got out of the music scene for years and I felt like a fish out of water yeah. and I didn't know why I felt like, you know, what the mm -hmm. fuck is wrong? You know, until I got back into something with a groove and then it was like, Oh man, it was like, fuck, this is the why I'm alive. You know, yeah. I think such um, a beautiful yeah. thing about, about that. And, and once you can be in a, uh, a, a group of similar guys too, is that, they will hold you to it, you know? They'll see you kind of slipping away from it, and they'll be like, hey, you're a musician, bro. Like, come on. Like, no, what the right. fuck are you doing? <laughs> right. No, well, you know, man, it's, it's, need, all, a, it's a all a growing process. Everybody kind of gets in a garage and does their best imitation of their favorite guy, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, that's a and, huge part of it, too. you got to do a lot of legwork by yourself, too. Yeah. Oh man, it's uh, that's what most of it is, is is getting in the room, putting on headphones and playing all the Zeppelin records and the Stones and 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 learning the essence of what that was all about, you know. And it, it's all a certain heartbeat. Like yesterday was my Charlie Watts day. You know, I nearly played with he Jagger. I was the runner-up for Mick Jagger's tour when when. He split for the Stones for a second, did a solo thing. Oh, that's it was awesome. be, yeah, yeah. It was it was between me and Kurt Pascara, and Kurt came in and started playing James Brown shit. So Mick Jagger got a boner, and that was <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. He's like, oh, rest yeah. in peace, Charlie Watts. Just time. right, mm -hmm. but you know, Charlie Watts. So yesterday was my Charlie day, and I was listening to Beggar's Banquet and Sympathy for a Devil, and you know, the best of the Stones and. Fucking hey, dude! It's if you dig Charlie, you know it's really about a pulse and how that carried that band. And um, it's very important. Oh Jesus, man! I mean, my favorite intro of all time is "Start Me Up." How he fucking gets in that song is so fucking hilarious with the open hi hat and the snare. It's like someone threw a ball one way and hit him in the back the other way <laughs> it's like what is that and how right. did that come together and how fucking badass is By that the time he hits the yeah. kick drum yeah so that yeah. being said have you always been a always been a stones guy always had a good appreciation for the stones well you know i'm saying that just the looseness of charlie watts and how fucking loose the stones were yeah and and, and you know talk about vibe you know Vibe is everything, man. Big time. You know, I, I, I play with Billy Idol, and I, you know, Billy... That's cool. His thing was all about vibe. Yeah. You know, I did a, I did a couple of things with him, with uh, Steve Lukather from Toto, and, and a few guys from Toto. It's the Bercaro brothers, me, Lukather, Billy Idol, and uh, a couple keyboard player guys that, that are 
session guys, you know. Yeah, when you um, yeah when you mentioned Steve, I was like, oh okay, so it was that the link to the Yoso stuff in the later days? But that's way ahead. I don't want to jump. Oh no, not <laughs> even, dude. You know what, man? We used to play. We used to play at um, this rehearsal studio called Leeds Rehearsal Studios, and that was in North Hollywood. And awesome. Leeds Rehearsal Studios had three rooms. And I was always in one of the rooms with either my rock band, Stone Fury, or a project that I was hired to do for a show. There was a lot of shows back then. We would play Madame Wong's Chinatown. We'd play Madame Wong's in Westwood. And there were clubs in the valley that we would play, rock places and stuff. And then, you know, I got, play, I got called to play and do R&B gigs. So it was all over the map. But I'm I'm going all over the place here. When you said yo, so I want to get. Back. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I did that. No, I no, knew no. I was going to do want, that. I, Damn it! No, I want to <laughs> go. I want to go to Leeds because a lot of shit started there. Yeah. Uh, this young band from Las Vegas came in, and they were called Logic, and um, I took a liking to Logic, and so did Toto. I brought Steve Picaro and Jeff Picaro. They kind of. We all kind of came into the room together and saw these kids do their uh, Genesis, yes, uh, kind of the best of, you know, their their version of that. So we got a kick out of that because we were kind of prog rockers, too. You know, we loved all that stuff growing up. And so and what it ended up happening was Steve Ricardo and David Page ended up producing Logic. And Billy Sherwood was the bass player singer in that band. Really? It was about 16, 17 when I first met this kid. That's right. right. That's so cool. And I, and I was playing with Boss Gags back then. Which I is got amazing. Which, so, like, if yeah. people aren't familiar with, with Boss Gags in any manner, like, so... The thing that comes to mind when you think of a, a drummer like Jody, and, I, and you even mentioned it a bit, but... It's thick groove, man. You got to be like, you got to have this pocket where you're just, because I mean, yeah, big time okay, jamming, man. big time jamming, and shout out to big time Dean Cortez for sure, your brother. Oh, for sure. Awesome. No, Dean is <laughs> Dean's ridiculous, man. And Dean, I learned so much from playing with Dean because he had a big time symphony background. Dean played with the U Symphony in UCLA. Crazy. With the the famous Maida Maida conductor. Oh, here we go. And it was the real fucking deal. And so I used to dig that. And then in high school, I played in the orchestra and I played timpanis and I played in the jazz band. And so I got to fuck it up, you know? Yeah, I got to do, it's so it's such I a got, good, great, you know, geez. background. And, and it just really solidifies that groove, man. It really well, does. Well, you know, Jeff, there was guys like Buddy Miles that I emulated that cracked Jeff Picaro up. Jeff would jump behind me and grab a cowbell and a tambourine and start playing percussion behind me when I was in sixth grade, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Yeah. So I, I had that guy, the king of groove, uh, you know, mentor me and be like my godfather. I was the luckiest fucking guy on the planet. Jeff would do records and he'd go, you know what? He'd call me up and say, I want you to come down to Leeds. And I went, okay. So I'd show up and he goes, so Dig, you're, you're Boss Gag's musical director. Who do you want in the band? 
And I'm like, okay, um, 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 let me get my foot out of my mouth first. And, you know, I... Yeah, like, of, just asking you for anything at all. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> dude, I'm 20 years old. I'm right. not even 21 yet. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I get the gig on my 21st birthday, and I'm playing at Caesars Tahoe with the big boys. That's the wild. big boys, because Boz was fucking used then. He had records, he had songs in the top ten. You know, that record, uh, Silk Degrees, would low down. And, um, oh, God, John, there's so many. Um, anyhow, that record was so huge that... Yeah, um, I think there's a point in time where it's like, I, you know, and... It's way, be, you know, it's it's before my time, of course, but I, I'm I'm hip to it because I I'm like a huge music fan. But you know, there's a point in time where you you mentioned Boss Gags and you know exactly everybody's there. It was like a it was a thing, you know, like so. Right. Yeah. Well, L.A. L.A. had a, a mafia, you know, a studio mafia, and that was Jeff Carl and uh, David Hungate, David Page. These guys were were doing all the sessions. And yeah. so they they created the etiquette. They were like the guys that laid the tablet down, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the template. And, and we all had that to to uh, to look up to and to to strive to get at. You know, I was so not fucking worthy, Frankie. You know what I mean? I thought it was just such a, a natural. And my father, you know, my father told me when I was a little kid, he goes, look, if that's what you want to do, Put on country records, put on symphony, put on Latin. Right. I want you to listen goes, to all you of You got to listen to it all. And Saturate I, yourself. <laughs> right. So yeah. I mean, initially being a snot-nosed kid, I said, you know, Homo says what, and then that was that, you know, and we didn't. I just ignored him. You know, it's like fuck it's that. On. I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you have a top five facts on YouTube. Just throwing that but, in there. But no, no, what happened was um, I got this call to play for Paramount Pictures and um, with my brother Dean and Scott Shelley, who was an alumni from from the Boss Gags band, and a guy named J. Peter Robinson, who played with Phil Collins. And um, he, this guy, these guys came in and did sound alike. So all the movies that went from America to Europe and uh, Asia and all that, we changed the soundtracks too. Okay. Right. Cause they were too cheap to play to pay the original guys. They paid us to do this thing called sound lights. Right. Oh yeah. So, I hear that a lot. I hear it all the time. I always, right? I always love to call it out. And then, you know, people right. will be like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about, dude? I'll be like, that's yeah. not, that's not the original music, bro. That's like, not exactly you know? how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's so a note change right there. AB, like the original paper moon, and then go and get the import from the from warehouse. That's me playing. You know right. what I mean? And but right. I'm playing with with the greatest guys. Frank Sinatra's rhythm. Uh, they're his oh, guys. Wow. And Pete Pete Jolly on piano and Dick Slide Hyde and Chuck Finley and these giants and the yeah. and the and the brass section. You know, I was playing with the number one guys. So it was an honor. Okay. And because yeah. I was such a natural and I was a chameleon, I could listen to something and just absorb it and play it. Yeah, without, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. how that was for me. And then I read enough music where I could go through a chart and 
and just we would nail it first take. Yeah. We were like wow. we would we were a first or second take band. So we would discuss stuff up front. If if I saw mm-hmm. something that was going to make me step all over my business, then I stopped everybody and said, Now guys, you know, you got, you know, Jerry's kids here, so you need to help me out here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we would talk about certain sections and I'd figure it out and nail it. And then, so we move on, but, um, uh, my career took so many turns, you know, and then the Yoso thing happened after I kind of took a pause. I played with, um, okay, let me, reg- let me go back to 1988. Uh, I had a huge cocaine problem, right? I was playing <laughs> with everybody, Jackson Brown, John Henley was involved. I, I was going to say, because yeah, what's this oh, like? Because okay, because then yeah, because we're name at, at 1988. We're Ooh. skipping some of the real good stuff though. So right. So before that, I mean, what leads to this is is if you don't mind, can we talk about what led to the Cinderella album? And you know, I, I've read, sure. I've read, sure. I've only been able to to read about and and what I've only been able to find is there take on them removing their drummer not much on you know like that inside as to you know how that ended up and yeah okay well here's what happened uh that first record stone fury with andy johns right okay um andy and i became good friends and andy andy kind of compared me to john bonham in a weird way just because of a groove thing Mm -hmm. and uh back then andy had done Two tickets to paradise, Eddie Money, which was a giant record. Yeah, it blew up, it blew up the radio, you know. And he had already worked. He already worked with the Stones. He he, he played. He recorded Exile on Main. He was one of the, those guys on okay. Exile on Main Street. So his history with Zeppelin and the Stones, what he brought was so legendary. And to be in that company was such an honor. Okay, so that was back then with Stone Fury. So what had happened was Andy and I became friends, and he called me up. He says, look, mate, I need you to play with these guys. Um, Come fly to New York, and it'll take you about seven, eight days or so, you know, to to do this record. They were already there for three and a half months, and they couldn't get a track. So he he called me up. I flew in. And uh, I, I couldn't play with the band. They were like posing, you know, they'd play with the headphones on and they're spinning their guitars. And what would happen was their headphones, <laughs> the their headphones would turn and start choking the them out. <laughs> so, dude, they're, just the like, most, they're, performing they're like the so studio. rocked out that they're just like, yeah, I got a fucking... Oh, exactly. Oh exactly. my god. So they're doing the guitar spin. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> hilarious picture I've ever seen. Oh god. Oh, uh, you have no In idea. It's like they're the <laughs> reason Spinal Tap was created. Well, dude, there you go. And what I said <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 cut, cut, break." You're right. Yeah. I, go, I, say I said, something. "Guys, this isn't Spinal mm-hmm. Tap." <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and so they got pissed off at me and they said well dude this isn't sting either oh, oh yeah uh, right and I went, oh you got me there so this is what we're gonna do you guys are all gonna enjoy the lounge and tom and i are gonna hang out we got we got to talk about this so tom and i did the record yeah tom played rhythm guitar andy set up a click 
Oh, okay. I mean, a click so fucking loud because I'm playing in an airplane hangar. Yeah. So I'm on the second Crazy. story, second story of this airplane hangar, and they got big, huge speakers in the middle of the of the hangar, um, and they're mic'd and all that's for the toms, that's and then you cool. got these big giant subwoofers for the kick drum. And wow. That's how Andy recorded this. So it was just Tom and I. And, and I wrote charts out. So for Shake Me and um, all that stuff, I would write out, you know, uh, these simplified, you know, Jody charts where I knew how many how many bars before the chorus. And then, you know, went back to the B verse, back to the verse, and this, that, and the other. So I knew when the changes would happen. And after playing rock and roll my whole life, you know, you kind of predict... You can kind of hear where things are going. Mm -hmm. And so Tom would play me the demo. And then I said, oh, okay, far out, man. Let's let's do this. And we'd set up a click and run it down and then nail it. So I did I did that whole record in like five days. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, you know, three tracks a day and dealing with all kinds of issues. I had their drummer sitting right behind me, breathing on my neck yeah. the whole time, which was really uncomfortable. So I had to kind of like assure him that I'm there for him, yeah. you know, that, look, man, I, I'm not here for your gig. I'm here to help Andy yeah. finish this record so that you guys can have a successful yeah. tour. You're like, look, I put a pause right here. I put a specific pause. If you want to twirl your guitar, twirl your guitar here. Exactly. Don't fucking do it here. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you That's know, so awesome, man! Yeah. So all those guys were like busy posing in another room, and yeah, and, you know we kind of roomed together, and these guys would just spend so much time on their hair and their makeup and their jewelry and shit. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but you know that's what it was, and they made a lot of money on that record. Yeah. They're, they got a guy named Fred Curry who came in after me. And auditioned, and Fred went on the road. But Andy would would show up. Andy was a heavy drinker. Andy would drink, you know, two to three, twelve packs before lunch or dinner. You know, he would he would just constantly be pounding. You know, yeah. And he was he was about six five, big English guy. Oh wow! And, and he he talked like Joe stuff. Can't be, can't fight, you know what I mean? You know, can't be a cunt. You know, yeah. you know that he was very English and very like, uh, you know, um, he was a, he was a character, he was an animated character. But talked about I that love, bit. If you use this, right? If you use this thing, you say cunt. You could be like, right. you cunt. But like, right. for some yeah. reason, if I, if I use my normal voice, <laughs> hey. I'll get ridiculed and cancelled. Right. Right, <laughs> you know? heavy thing, kind. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. so, but yeah. he was—he was hilarious, man. He was—he was a—he was, a, he was a, a chauvinist to say the least, you know. Uh, so he was, was he? Was he a big like knob turner? I mean, <laughs> like in the studio, like what, what? What? How was he in the studio? Because I, I mean, I know there's a, a lot magician. of there's a list, a lot of different ways that these people can, um, you know. Well, well, dude, back in the day. There was no Pro Tools. Exactly. So back in the day, it was just the razor blade. Yeah. So Andy was a was a magician with that. Yeah. 
And there was no one like Andy that could cut a tape mm-hmm. and reassemble a track from 20, you know, uh, like Andy. Andy yeah. was the guy. So, I mean, if, uh, I, I always like to talk about this because the Stones, um, and, and I know that, I don't know if you know any truth to this backstory, uh, but um, I, I thought it was always kind of a, a knowledge that it was Mick Jagger that was one of the first guys to ever request this chopping and he would do takes of vocals. They would do them in eccentric places. They, they really innovated this idea of production um, well outside this um, live take stuff that was taking place for years and years before, you know, which, which was great, you know, and it served its own purpose in, you know, for- well, I mean, those guys were all like, huge fans of the Hollies and, yeah. and, the, and, and the American bands, you know, the Beach Boys and, right. you know, and uh, the Wall of Sound. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of shit happening that they wanted to get in on. And so Andy was a huge influence on that. Yeah. Uh, and on the English side, um, he embraced certain methods of recordings, like how he would, uh, you know, how they would record Jimi Hendrix's Marshall, he showed me, you know, he and how he would record John Bonham's kick drum and snare drum and stuff. And he said that there were times where if the microphone got in the way of of Bonham, he would take a cymbal and throw it at his head like a frisbee. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he's, yeah, he's definitely like, you know, one of those guys. It takes a lot, you know, like I'm fortunate enough. I got, you know, I get to work with a really great producer, you know, I got to pay sometimes so I don't get to work with him all the time. But it's really like it's this crazy element, you know, and and, uh, it's somebody you got to trust a lot. And it's like it's this wild ride, you know, and it's definitely I haven't had anything thrown at me yet. Thank God. uh, (laughs) Well, no, that's uh, I mean, that's such an extremity. When Andy would tell me stories about John Bonham, I would want to throw up on myself because uh, he wasn't the hero that I thought he was, you know. Right. Uh, And uh, he wasn't a very good, good person. Um, uh, But uh, he was such an incredible drummer. Um, When I say that, I meant he was he was put up to a lot of antics by Jimmy Page. Right, you know, yeah. and then there was the the abuse of uh, alcohol and drugs that would uh, end up causing us to do the crazy things that we did back then. Um, some of us a lot more crazier than the others, uh, right? And and that was him, you know, him and uh, you know Keith Moon and these guys were completely out of their minds. Great drummer, and um, oh yeah, one of the best, of course, you know. Uh, another another uh, fly by the seat of the pants guy, who was yeah. uh, very much a natural, you know. Um, so, anyways, uh, let's go back to the Yoso thing. Um, oh no, we're talking about Cinderella. So you know where Cinderella came from? That was Stone Fury. So I did the Cinderella thing, and then I uh, joined David Crosby. David kind of saved my life in 1989. He took me with him, and I played with him till '95. Wow, yeah. cool! What a and great uh, night, and then years. along with that was the Crosby, Stills and Nash 25th anniversary tour. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. So you could probably yeah, see that, all that. That was the biggest tour I ever played. And that was with 
we did Woodstock too. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, man. So this is you where might... it just gets it completely incredible because like you are now, I mean, there's these circles of just like real eliteness in musicians and just people that you can be intertwined with. And obviously, you know, um, Crosby was what with the birds with Bob Dylan. Yes. So, I mean, you're talking about like you're talking about Bob Dylan, you know, th these are huge players and you're a huge player. So thank you for being a part well, of the I show, mean, Jody. <laughs> well, those guys, those guys used to hang out together. It's not, not necessarily Bob Dylan, but it was more, um, you know, uh, the Hollies with Graham Nash right. and, and Stephen Stills and Neil Young from Buffalo Springfield and, um, you know, the Mamas and the Papas and those guys. And then you have David. And uh, doing Hey Mr. Tambourine Man when he was 16 years old. Right. Man. That's it. He wrote that and he's singing and playing guitar. He's 16. That's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. I got and, it. Uh, and Hal Blaine. Hal Blaine was the drummer. You know, Hal Blaine was the guy from the Wrecking Crew. And so Hal and I were at a Zildjian party together. And he goes, uh, hey, kid, who do you play with? You know, I said, well... You know, Crosby and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Buzz Gags and Christopher Cross for 12 years. I didn't even mention that. I played with Chris for like 12 years. Which is amazing. The world. I'm amazing. on four records with Chris. That's amazing. Um, the best of Christopher Cross. You could pick that up. That's a DVD. And that's with Michael McDonald. And uh, it, it's pretty, pretty fucking good, if I must say. Cool. Um, so you played with Michael McDonald? Yeah. Oh my god, cool. dude! I'm yeah. geeking out right now because oh, I don't know. Okay, so this is the other thing too, you know. Like I find out this that you played with Christopher Cross, and like I know it's totally like the cliche one to be like jumping on board, but sailing. I'm, but I'm a younger guy, so maybe not. Sailing is honestly like one of my top ten songs of all time. Like, well, it's everybody's top ten, right? Song, like, I think it's like it's a huge one. That's like asking somebody if you like Elton, and if you don't like Elton, you're like. I don't know if I can trust you, man. <laughs> well, no, exactly. You know, there's certain songs that that pull your heartstrings. You know what I mean? And exactly. Yeah. Sailing, sailing was a heavy, heavy song, man, because it is. Christopher's relationship with his dad was fucked up. Oh man. So, well, get this. For me, freaking In Sync covers this song. Did you knew that? Did you know this? No, I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. So, in sync, the you know one of the largest selling ba the boy bands of all times covers right. sailing, and freaking right. favorite. That's what hit me in high school. So it was like sailing in high school was a big one, and and then. But for me, I was always a musician, so I was like, ah, who really wrote this thing? I always do that, though. I'm always yeah, like, yeah. who wrote no, this? No, guys, song? you got research uh, Christopher Cross live at the Galaxy Theater. It's a DVD, so it's it's a visual. I'm all over it. So That's amazing. I'm watching the Woodstock '94 video right now. Actually, Mike, like Mike, okay. and Michael Mc, Yeah, it's all over YouTube. Yeah. And the same with uh, Woodstock too. The entire show is on on YouTube. If you if you <laughs> I just I, uh, I love yeah. Michael McDonald. You know. <laughs> oh man, I do. Like, I mean, these guys are I like mean, my some of my favorites, man. So that's I really mean, cool to treat. Don't even have you don't even have to be gay to fucking love yeah. Mike McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> his, his, his blue eyes and his, it's just like, fuck yeah. me, please. Yeah, you know? That's cool, man. That's you know? cool. Um, that's awesome. my, mom, my mom was such a huge, she called him Mumbles, you know. 
Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I worked with, with Brenda Russell, you guys. Check her out. Brenda wrote the music for The Color Purple, but she's written for everybody. She's got songs on everybody's records. Um, awesome. She's one of them. She's one of the number one songwriters in the world, and she's uh, from everybody from Cher to Mary J. Blige to uh, Joe Cocker, um, just on and on and on. And she has a number one with uh, uh, Luther Vandross, If Only for One Night. She wrote that and Get Here that Alita Adams made number one for like 18 months for the Gulf War. That was Brenda. So Brenda and I have been together for like 30 years playing you know, um, doing demos and then touring. I got to tour all over Japan with her, and um, it was really an honor and a thrill to uh, play her music because it was kind of like R&B Steely Dan, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I had a stint with the Jacksons, too. Right after Cinderella, I flew home, and my buddy David Williams who was Michael Jackson's guitar Jackson, player, Jackson Jackson called me up. He goes, Hey man, come over to Tito's house. What? That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> come over yeah. to Tito's. You know, come over to Tito's. What? So I went over to Tito's and it was just he and I and Michael's monkey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Tito's so, like, I'm watching this yeah. damn monkey. <laughs> man, you better come get your I monkey. I got this monkey right here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, I digress. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> I digress. It's, uh, yes. it's, it's yeah, me digress. and me and David Williams and, and like an eight ball of blow, right? So we're uh, he's got I got these tunes, little brother, and I said, well, let me hear them. And so we recorded five songs in a day, crazy over at, T and at Tito's house, Whoa, and uh, Tito cool. and Randy and Jermaine and uh, Jackie came in, and they said, who's this? And so I said, I go, which one of you smoke weed? And it was Tito. I said, you're my pal. You know, you're my friend. You know? Yeah, we're and buddies. Anyways, <laughs> we're hanging. You and I are hanging. So anyways, we did. Tito and I became good friends. He'd call me Joey and we'd jump in his car and he goes, I'm going to buy you some shoes, Joey. We're going to go say, say hi to your mom, you know. And so anyways, uh, we had a great great relationship and uh i recorded some tracks for their uh was after their victory tour i don't even know the name of the record that i'm that i'm supposedly on but um anyways i got to work with those guys um for a period of time that's amazing yeah that's really yeah it's incredible yeah so uh, you know I mean, to be, from, like so from to cinderella to that you know what i mean it's yeah. like two completely different worlds yeah so what what i always like to kind of venture down a little bit is um i mean having had so many of these amazing encounters you know uh what it, jody what do you accredit to you know like hard work or like chance encounters you know having had such a lifelong career in music i'm i'm always asking the artists like you know, what set, you know, I, I know that you're a natural and you just have like a crazy groove. Th that's super important with a drummer. I think in my personal opinion, possibly for drummers, a lot of the time, it's their complete willingness to just give themselves to it um, and, and follow through. Just like any other musician. I shouldn't well, just have, say drummer, yeah. but I yeah. should, you know, every musician. Um, well, it's surrendering. It's, yeah. it's surre yeah. surrendering to the song. 
Right. So for, for me, it's all about the song. I, I'll close my eyes and transcend into the song. Every song, the, yeah. The, yeah, every song has a pulse where it lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can nail that pulse, yeah. you fucking own it. Because I played in punk bands. Yeah. I played in every right. kind of fucking band there is, man. Yeah. I, so every band I played in has a pulse where it lives. Right. You dig? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. ska, reggae, everything, man. Yeah. There's a pulse for all of that. Yeah. And and I was I was a studio guy. I had to emulate when I was called on it. Yeah. So, but my very favorite of all of my musical experiences has to be with David Crosby. The band that we oh, had cool. uh, with David Crosby was Davey Farragher on bass and vocals. He's uh, Elvis Costello's guy. Wow. Um, uh, Dan Dugmore on guitar and, and pedestal, who's been like the number one pedestal player for the last 10 years, you know. Uh, but his guitar playing is really like Neil Young, Keith Richards. Uh and all raw, just a monster motherfucker. He played on the James Taylor's first records and Linda Ronstadt's records. That's that's Dan Dugmore. James Taylor, another little pocket favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah. Really like, like don't Jack. don't just I've put always, on James Taylor loved, around really me, man. James I'll start Taylor. crying oh, and you shit. Like, yeah, oh yeah, man. Like don't do that. Yeah. Oh. Let's like get your hanky out. Every song he ever made was a hit, you know? Oh, I, I love talk it. Just about so life, good, though. You know, so good, though. The future, the past, oh. everything while he's singing. Of course so. Well, I mean, it goes without you guys, saying. Guys, oh, I'm kind of running running you guys uh, thick here, man. It's 226. So here, here's the deal. Um, I'm available anytime you guys want to talk to me. Um, awesome. Because I've got, I've got lots more stories to tell. And uh, oh, we'd love to have you on again. Yeah, yeah. man. Anytime. Anytime. If uh, you can get specific too, kind of like look shit up and then uh, question me on it. No. Yeah. Cause you know, I definitely, you know, I, I de- there's a lot more to get into. I wanted to talk about, you know, the, sh- like you ended up on a Chicago, the box bo- DVD set. Oh yeah. 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 That, uh, that was, that was awesome because the, those were really good friends of mine who wrote, those songs bill champlin awesome bill champlin was a dear friend of mine i ended up working with him and his wife on their solo records that i'll I'll forward you shit that i played on right um that's badass spanking really spanking yeah that's awesome Um, i mean oh yeah because i mean we could just talk for quite a bit uh, and then i mean uh, i'm going over the other stuff you end up on an absolute legend, period, which you yourself are a, another legend. But um, uh, Sam Kinison, yeah, that's you end oh, up yeah. on leader of wow. the band oh, God, in 1990. Man. So, oh, um, yeah, I, you know, I we got I, a lot, I, dude. <laughs> I, initially, hey, initially with Sam, I was supposed to play on his first project that Tommy Lee ended up on. Wild. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But I ended up playing with him. I played Gonna Raise Hell for the band, uh, the band record that he had. That's amazing. Uh, Didn't even know uh, so Gonna Raise Hell, that was an incredible fucking track with uh, Randy Jackson on bass and uh, Lenny Cardova. 
who's who's a monster human being. Like the was, guys was Randy saying yo dog back then? Was he like yo, oh, yeah. was he like yo dog? Randy. Like he, he was, was, all about he was yo way dog. before he was all about way yo before dog. it got he's such a good bass player. And no he is the legit bass player. Absolutely. Oh god, dude, he's Berkeley and all of that. Yeah, yeah. The guy MIT, can, the Berkeley. He can, fucking, he can play circles around anybody. You That's know? I remember amazing. having to explain that to some people before. Yeah. That he is the real deal. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, when somebody's yeah. like, "Who is that dude?" It's like, dude, he's I, the incredible. judge from American Idol is one of the best bass players. What? No, no, he's Ever. not. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they're like, he "What? Played, no, 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 no." He played with Journey. He 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 did a whole tour with Journey. That's amazing. Uh, and Mike Baird's on drums. And uh, anyways, uh, the Sam Kennison thing was hilarious because the producer goes, "Jody, come back when Sam's here. Sam's going to be doing the vocal tonight." And I want you to come back. So I came back, and in walks Sam, and he's shy. Yeah, he's, wild. He, look, he <laughs> looks at he looks at me, and he turns and he walks into the vocal booth, or into the room. And the producer yeah. goes, "Hey, Jody, tell um, tell him that uh, you brought him. You brought a joint." I said, "Yeah, I brought a couple." And he says, "Okay, <laughs> well, tell him you brought a joint, and uh, it'll loosen things up." He goes, uh, in fact, he put the talk back down. He goes, uh, hey, Sam, Jody Jody has a joint. He goes, I knew I liked you. Get in here. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just a little, he's just a little on edge, you know? He's like, I need to get my head right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that started. That's and, incredible, uh, man. Wow. And he goes, stick around. I'm bringing blowing hookers. You know, I said, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> that's incredible. So, uh, so I, I hung out for a bit, and then I split. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that experience. Um, the whole Yoso thing, that that should be our next conversation, okay? Because there's a lot that went into that. Yeah, and I would love to. I mean, that's yes and Toto's members. If it, yeah, you know, just just exactly. a brief little. We'll we'll just touch on it in a bit, but yeah, you know, we don't. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. We don't have to run too long today, but we will. Um, uh, yeah, please. You know, we gotta have you back to to just oh, yeah, run through sure. some of these. I'd love to. I love you, Frankie. You're like a a, a brother son to me. So uh, I got to uh, you know whatever, whenever I can be of assistance, you guys and uh, Tom. It was a pleasure to meet you. And oh, uh, likewise, likewise. And and uh, the other gent that's uh, with you. Uh, you know, my I have that's such me. a short ter- short term memory thing. You know. But, uh, well, he well, goes we by Drew. Yeah, it's Drew, Drew in the right corner. On. It's okay. Drewski. All right, yeah. Drew. Yeah. Thank right you on. so yeah. much, Thank Jody. Thank you so much, for sure. Um, anytime, man. I'm yeah. here. All right. Anytime, bro. And uh, if you want to do a live thing, we could do. Uh, we could talk about that for the future too. And um, uh, don't be afraid to ask me to play some drums. So, you know. Yeah. At my age, if you have a drum kit set up, it's a lot easier for me. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll show up and play. We're starting a band. No, I got you. No worries. Like, (laughs) if I were to ever ask, it would be perfect. You know, we would just have to go to a studio out in Orange. Um, But, I mean, yeah. But it'd be amazing. We're going to start a band. Work something out and then do a live gig or something. Oh, man, that'd be amazing. Okay. Jody, thank you for your time. Um, You're welcome. It's really great for the show. and, and, And also, you know, it's just great to 
to talk to somebody who is a lifer at this stuff, uh, a huge talking point on the Frank and Tom show always is persevering, persevering as artists, um, you know, getting over a lot of different insecurities that get brought up as artists throughout your career. You know, there's a lot of people that kind of look at you, maybe not as, um, a, a serious productive member of society sometime but i like to think of artists and musicians as elitists absolutely and you know so the necessary. world needs let me let me say one artists. thing to you yeah um i've dedicated uh a lot of my life to a foundation that i've started for children and um when my nephew passed <clears throat> It kind of kicked it in high gear for me. So I have three children's books that I just wrote. That's amazing. That's really neat. And uh, they're, they're going to get illustrated. And once they do, I'm going to share them with you. And uh, we got a big campaign coming up, so uh, including uh, some swag. So uh, I'll fill you guys nice. in on that. And we can uh, do some music for benefit down the road for... Uh, my foundation so that sounds great and of course rest in peace damon man oh yeah that's, that's mm -hmm. the this was dedicated to damon okay yeah okay. thanks man yeah. appreciate you love you guys thank you jody love you man have a great night all right See talk to you soon all right bye peace well that was great wow like it's you know, almost like gotta, over. He's got to have a lot of stories. Yeah, so know. much. You know, like I go over the uh, resume and it's just it goes on and on and. um I'm sure I there's a lot of in there too bit. that he could talk about that's not even online. Yeah. And of know? course, yeah, most of stories our stories he could tell. Listeners now are are uh, apt to my uh, spastic way of going about things. Um, I wanted to initially go to, into the um, Fast Times for Ridgemont High because that literally kicked off everything in 1982. Yeah, but I handed music in that as well. Yeah, yeah but I started that. everything off with two espressos. And then I, it just uh, it led to a little bit of a, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so that's tough for me sometimes as a guy who does this. Where do you know Jody Cortez from? Um, Jody Cortez is the uncle of Justin and Damon Ivy. And Get he, out of town. Yeah, he is an uncle of him. And uh, their dad is Dean Cortez, which I've known, of course, is oh, a famous here? musician. And he's a very good musician. Did wow. Dean Cortez teach Damon how to play the bass? I could imagine so. I would wow. imagine there was a lot of that going on. He definitely had very wow, nice equipment. Wow. Yeah. I remember that. Picture and, of him um, playing the bass right there on the wall. Yeah, sick-ass bass. Of course, Me Damon's Damon always Ivy in the are the same age, too. I remember him. Like, we all yeah, so we share age. this real deep connection. Absolutely. Um, I always had Jody in mind you know, reaching out, but I also knew to be honest, of course I was intimidated even after 41 episodes, I was a bit intimidated to ask him because he has a huge resume. He's worked with people like the Jacksons and stuff. Well, yeah. He, That's he, amazing. Uh, yeah. And how, how cool to just hear that stuff. I'm almost great. You know, to Jermaine yeah. Jackson. I think a lot of the times when, when we do have a guest on, that's, that's definitely my favorite part is sitting here and just being like, wow, in, in taking this person's life, like what a cool thing that we've stuck to to be able to just sit here and hear cool ass stories exactly. from these people. You exactly. Know? You don't want to like, like interject too much because yeah. he's got a lot to talk about. And yeah. I just want, you know, like here for it. Yeah. So thank sure. you again, Jody, for yeah. being a part of the show. And, yeah, and we're going to have him back for sure, because I want to hear about this. this part uh, one. 
the yeah. children's books things and stuff like that. And I didn't share too much about the show with him as far as that we do have a worldwide listening. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Like, that's what I was know? gonna say. Like when his children books come out, we, he can come on the show. I mean, yeah, like there's people you know actually listening around the world. So, and when we do have a special guest, our listens go way up usually. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, for all sure. right. So uh, like guests. Yeah, man. You know what? We jumped in here early on a Sunday night, guys. But I'm so thankful for everything that took place. So we Especially are going since to it's not nighttime. Yeah. No, no, it's still send you guys off away. with it. It's not all bad because you can still just be anything you want to be. You can be a drummer still. You know, it is tough because, like we found out, there's not too many of us, man. Can I? There's something? only two thousand musicians in the world that are actually like making money off of it. Is that what it says? It, yeah, the statistics the are statistics way low. Says. Like, way low on this type of stuff, Tom. I've always wanted oh, yeah, to be a better it's drummer. Really hard. I mean, there's a lot of really good yeah. musicians out there that you, never you, get a chance to make a living enough. at it. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm just bad. Uh, do it. What? what? I don't know. What were you going to say? No, no, I'm just saying I'm a bad, bad drummer. I want to be better. Oh, right. And you, you're going to inspire me. Practice. I don't want you to. It's just a lot of practice, you know? I know. Not, you know, willing. you said this thing like nobody, the, the universe hasn't been called. I've been like hinting every other time you're in here. I'm like, we should start a band, Drew. We should, like, you're a musician. I mean, it's true. We should just get together and play our guitars together. Well, where are we going to do it? I could bust some raps. He, we could do it here oh, or right. in the living room. Can I rap? In or the we jam? could do it on the deck. Yeah. Or we could go right. out to the yard. There's a sandbox. We could sit in Frankie's sandbox. Right. <laughs> oh, that'd be really cool. We could you know, go to Strawberry at, Peak. You know, I'm at my lowest Look as at, far as like practice, as far as that's anything fine. I play. I have always sucked. So, hey, that's here, not what I said. Here is the thing. I was also thinking. I just wanted, I was like putting it out in the ether the other day. It was so funny. I, you know, thinking to myself, but who cares? You know, Chris. Stolly, that dude, he's a drummer, right? Mm-hmm. You know Who? that dude? Who? His name's like Chris Stolly. Stolly. Stolly, Stolly or whatever his name is. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe. I'm not sure. I'll show you. Anyways, he's like an abandoned drummer right now. I don't know. It seems kind of weird. You know, it an seems abandoned almost abandoned drummer. You know what I mean? No, a, a, a drummer without a, a, band. a band. He's looking for a band. I'm man. a bassist without a band. I'm a guitar player, singer without a band. Well, you are a band. Well, you yeah. have a Pandora yeah. station. But also, too, to you know what's tough don't for me? And that. I don't even want to say this out loud because, of course, I'll sound <laughs> like a jackass. Well. But what's really tough for me is that doing it by myself, showing up with my own equipment, mm-hmm. I get paid a lot. For sure, you right? You don't have to share it with yeah. anybody. Because you can no- well, negotiate you the same. You're, well, you negotiate the same price you would mm-hmm. as a. So, you know, when you ask for 20 grand, when I get you 20, get to get all that 20 grand every time. Yeah. So when people see me with my chain, balling. You got to wear that gold chain. Have you ever balled? I heard that uh, I was recently bands, told that yeah, the reason why pimps wear a bunch of gold chains is because, like, um, they want to be heavy, as heavy as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't get knocked over. But... Because gold is really heavy, so when they, they go to they load up on it, some about they they could take their money, but they can't take their chains or something. It's a center of gravity thing, like Drew said. <laughs> it pulls them down a little bit. <laughs> so if they put their money into their chains, then it's like you can't. I don't know. I you guess can't I, take I mean, my I, ten thousand. I feel like G's. they could still t- 
steal their chains if they wanted right. to, if they went to jail. That's crazy. You know what I just thought? Wouldn't this be a hilarious episode if I had forgotten something as far as recording and then it didn't get recorded? Oh, it didn't record. No. No, we didn't record any of it. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Start over. So that we're gonna a, try that was again a next week. Episode when that happened. Yeah. Oh when we lost God, that. That was such a good one yeah, too. That was, that was so. Oh, uh, we were like streaming. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the fights again tonight. Uh, uh, Rough and Rhett. No. Jake Paul awesome. versus uh, Tyrone Woodley. Woodley. Yeah. Well, there you so go. I got the fights, but there's also a bunch of serious boxers on the card, so it should be really good, guys. Did you see any of the Rough um, and Rowdy? The Rough and no. Rowdy fight, the Barstool Sports sponsored thing. How fun. So, oh my who God. was it? Who Ridiculous. was in it? It's a bunch of hillbillies and oh, oh man, one guy, Crazy Bird. All these videos were popping up of him just going hillbilly power. I'll take anybody. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like nice. has no teeth. <laughs> just cracked out of his mind. Was he tough? Did he fight? Um, he like finally fought, and then fight? he got his he got his ass whooped. Oh. <laughs> he finally fought and got his ass whooped. Man. All talk, no trousers. Well, at least if he was missing his teeth, he didn't lose any teeth. That's insane. Yeah, he didn't have any teeth to lose. Yeah. Me and the Costellos, Jimmy and Brian, we mm-hmm. would call, we would go, mob Crestline on the daily back mm-hmm. way, way back when, way, 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 way back when, way, 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 way back when. Trouble. And um, but yo. any payphone we would come across, which there That's were there was about like four you throughout to town. S- there was one in Top Town. What is it there that you guys would anyways, do with these payphones? If you would man. back then, if you would dial, I think it was like one eight hundred one one, or it was one eight hundred four four five five six six seven seven eight eight, and then you can freaking get this international connecting operator from London, right? And like daily, me and Brian or Jimmy, some one of us would call these people. I think actually this spread you to like quite a few of us. In different yeah, countries? so you'd always call one eight hundred one four four five five six six seven seven eight eight. You know, <laughs> and fucking. So, anyways, you get on the line and you'd be like, "Hey, bro." connect me to your mom and then they'd get all pissed you know and they'd be like hey you fucking talk to me you you, you, you all talk no trousers and that's exactly what yeah that's what this guy says i think he said it to brian one day because brian hung up the phone and he was like dying oh my god it was like are you fucking kidding me i'll talk no trousers once upon a time in 94 yeah oh my god way back but these guys would get so fucking pissed dude and it was all the time and i'm gonna give it a shot people over in england Somewhere, yeah. you're gonna try it right well, now. Well, yeah, because yeah, I got everything that. hooked up for the phone well audio. audio. Yeah, one, well one, yeah. I, uh, we used to have the phone number to the White House. I think it's we seven. Would, yeah, we you still have it. it. You remember like, it? White House. Oh, we were like, is this actually the White House? Yes, Check this is. out. Let's see, guys. Let's see if it's still them. That was 20 something years ago, right? Yeah, a long time. Welcome to America's hottest talk line. Whoa! Hot ladies are waiting to talk to you. All right, I'll try 5566. Wow. Gosh. Welcome. That's not where we were calling. That's what you were really calling. Disclaimer, I'm not I responsible think your memory for that. is mistaken here. Uh, come on, dude. That it turned was, in, that turned that into was, from it used to be an international calling number to yeah. a direct uh, like an escort service. <laughs> it is, dude. But maybe it's it, okay, maybe I just got it wrong. Oh well, that's fine. Maybe That was hilarious. Yeah. Well, we tried, guys. There's probably so. a different type of way to call out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to get phone calls from a friend of mine that lives in Mexico sometimes, you know? Yeah. And he would just call me, and there'd be like an extra couple numbers in the beginning or something that he would... It's like his country code. Yeah. Like, people right. have country codes, right? Oh, yeah. Countries it's, very, it's, some, 
it, it is actually at times been rather difficult for me to make calls. So your job is to find out as many country codes as you can, and we'll call some other countries. I know. I just kind of want to just call some random people. I just got totally inspired at, at the end of the show. We should. I mean, it, it being the end of the show, that we should just waste some time and call people. Can you call Albuquerque? Call someone in like yeah, Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Or something? Like wherever we got a call, we should just call them and be like, "Hey, fucking, what are you doing?" What kind of place in Albuquerque? Like, who are these call? people? What are they? They called me. Oh, you know, it's probably a customer I called. That would suck. That you know, wouldn't be. I didn't even think about call that. A customer. Yeah, I just called these in random your, numbers. Not in your call history. I was so mad. I got. Well, I wasn't mad, but. That's. I was. I went to the Johnny Cash cover uh, concert last night. Say what? Which was really cool. This was amazing. And uh, but I ran into like one of the guys from work way, way down in fucking like Menifee, you know. Oh man, you're giving me flashbacks of the weekday. Get away from me. (laughs) I'm not supposed to see you. I'm not supposed to see you on the weekend. You (laughs) don't even look me in the eyes, bro. Like a a lot of times, Ariana and I will have to go down the mountain on the on my weekend, and I'm like, I don't want to go down there. I go down there every day, and then I'm like, I want to stay away from the area that I'm always working in, like that I work in most, Mm -hmm. or like. Because I, I don't want to be around where I'm at on the weekday, you know? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. always work out that way. But See, look at that. It was, dude. It was my darn... It was one of my freaking clients, and they called me right back. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And they were going to be like, you know what? I'm glad you called. I'm glad uh, you called. I need you to come by and uh, fix oh, yeah, something for me. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yep. Better now put your shoes they're on. going to be your first priority call tomorrow. God darn it. Oh, my God. Tomorrow. Uh, so there it is, guys. Tomorrow's Monday. Let's put on our happy faces. Oh, there it is. I threw put on smiles on. I threw an absolute okay. fit on Monday. Oh, no. Barely what? made it through the week. Oh, oh no. Frank, come come on. Sometimes you. Sometimes it happens, though. You get overloaded at work sometimes. But you know what I think is important? I immediately apologized. Well, almost immediately apologized to the person I did it to. Um, in a very, like... You know, heartfelt way, in a very real man-to-man way, of course, in a beautiful text. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's, so. that's really sweet. Yeah, bro. So it's Come it's on. I said hearts heart at felt. the end of it. Of course you did. Yeah. And the and one then, with the hearts yeah. around the heart. Yeah, and then before the, the comma hearts. in the middle, I put that worried face like, huh, I'm like, serious. You're kind of like but Happy I love Gilmore you, in a way. Like, you might beat I someone know. up, but then you feel really bad and you apologize oh, afterwards. Right? Yeah. And, you know, what's tough for me is that, in general, I'm this damn near bubbly dude. It's bubbly, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a bubbly like personality. O- like, overly happy. That's the bubbly. scariest And then, high all of like a sudden, the there'll be this stupid turn to where I'm like, yeah, I'll eat your face off, bro. And you're like, what the fuck it happened to this bubbly guy? Like, you're like both sides whoa. of a high school couple. I'm like both the, sides of the high like school. Like the couple. jock and then the girl that's super happy all the I time. I am both the sides. I can see like holding a notebook with both hands on the <sighs> chest. Praise God. He said no worries. Well, let's have a good week. Oh, this nice. Week. No worries. Positive. Yeah. No, but I turned let's it around. Try to have a happy week. week. Especially after yeah. the apology. I, Tom, I turned it around. I. Exactly. Let's have a better outlook, right? Yeah, mm. we got this. Let's do it Monday. Yep. Let's do it Monday. Tomorrow, I'm going to. Tonight, I'm going to go to my mom's house with my, my wife and my son, and we're going to ha- uh, spend some time with my mom. Yep. Spend the night, and we, then uh, that's cool. Do what we're gonna do. Your tomorrow. mom is a wonderful, awesome. wonderful person. Well, thank you. Tell her I said hi. I think she is. Hey, say girl. hi to your mother for me. I will. We got some beautiful insight on night songs, the Cinderella album. 
We got some beautiful insight on and backtrack on some awesome stuff through Jody Cortez. True. Thank you, Jody, for wow. being a Jody, part of the show. Thank you very we much. We are eternally grateful and can't wait to hear some more stuff from him. And um, our next guest is yet to be determined, but be surprised because there will be another guest next week. It's going to happen again. What? Where's your applaud button? Come on. Thank you, Frank and Tom. We need to get that back. Thank you. Thank you, Drew and Tom. Oh, Thank thanks. You. Thank you, everybody out Thank there you for Tom listening to the Frank. Frank and Tom Show. We hope you have a great week. We're out of here. Bye.